we were not gathered together here. We were in um, service via, or, is it via or via? It's via? It's, it's via in Louisiana. Neither here nor there. Via. That sounds so weak. Via. So via Facebook, we have been studying and looking at the necessity of the commandments of God, the necessity of doctrine, something that the religious world is, has been working on, getting rid of for years, Satan working within the the religious realms and removing the responsibility of you and I to the Word of God. And we want to be a, we want to be a church that serves Him 100%. We don't want to be a congregation, a group of people that simply comes together for the good feeling, although the feeling is good. When you're in the presence of the Lord. Or to just simply justify our minds and our spirits that we have gone to church. If we're going to do this, let's do it right. Let's do it according to the word of God. Let's abide by his word and do our best to walk in such a way that we bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We know, of course, he was initially speaking there of the cross. But as we lift him up here in our daily lives, men are drawn unto him. The church has always been and it will always be separate and identifiable. You will never mistake the church for the world. That will never happen. Not the real church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about his body. The body of Christ that follows the word of God. You will never mistake in that for the world will always be identifiable and separate. So I want to speak to us for a little while. I want everybody to say the law is holy. Now the world will want you to think that it's the opposite of that. But the law is holy. Romans chapter 7 verse number 12. Wherefore the law is holy the commandment holy and just and good the law is holy just and good Paul says in 13th verse was then that which is good or the law made death unto me 
God forbid. Now here it is. Tell your neighbor, this is why you must have the law in your life. But sin, that it might appear sin. If you take the law of God out of your life, you will become so confused about what is right and wrong. And you will justify wrong deeds in your life. Because there is no clarity in your life. Because only God's law can bring clarity to me and you. So that when I see sin, I know it is sin. My God, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, speaking of the law, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Without the law of God in our lives, we become accustomed to, acclimated to, adjusted to sin that is in our life until the point we don't even see it sinful. We start making comments like, oh, well, that's not that bad. Well, I can do a, little of that well if you compare it to the world it's no it's not no what does the law do the law makes sin in my life exceedingly sinful that I don't just recognize it as sin but I detest it I hate it I despise it. I want nothing to do with it. I want to get as far away from it as I can. I'm not going to rub shoulders with it. I'm not going to dance on the floor with it. I'm not going to play with it. It's coming out of my life. It's getting out of my house. It's getting away from me. No wonder the devil's trying to take the law out of religion and just leave us. And, 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 and I, I say this in, in a way that I hope you understand, but just leave, leave us with this, well, confessing Christ thing. And as long as you confess Christ, you're okay. Listen, confessing Christ is the very beginning. I mean, it is, not, it is the letter A in the alphabet of your walk with God. It is the opening of the door. When you confess Christ, it's not over. It's just begun. He that endureth until the end, the same shall be saved. And you will not make it to the end without the law. 
All right, I just feel anointed to preach this. Help, help me pray. Father, in your mighty name, bless my mind and my heart and my spirit. God, let it be thus saith the word of the Lord. Lord Jesus, help me to step out of the way. Use this vessel as an oracle of God. I pray you open every mind in this building. We are the church. We are bought by your blood. We are your bride. Transform us. Make us into what we're supposed to be. God, that we might win our city that we might destroy the power of false religion and tear down the walls that Satan has built up God let us be that light put upon a hill that cannot be hid help us be the church that you have called us to be out of darkness into your marvelous light it's our prayer speak to us today we ask it in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and one more time let's put our Bibles down what all your might will you clap unto the Lord will you give a praise to him hallelujah 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 we praise you Lord you may be seated I wish every one of you were here for the 10 o'clock Sunday uh, adult Sunday school lesson that was taught uh, by uh, brother Keith Nevad uh, what a what a powerful powerful lesson! Uh, what did you title that lesson? Spiritual momentum, and uh, he talked about uh, getting well momentum uh, in your life, uh, uh, serving God, uh, and how that once you get into that momentum, uh, how powerful uh, God works in your life. And but what prevents that momentum? Uh, in our life that can stop the momentum is sin. When sin gets in our life, it can prevent the momentum. And I want to tell you, one of the most horrible things that could ever happen to you and I is that you and I would not be able to recognize sin. What a horrible place to be in that when sin came and confronted us, we would not necessarily recognize it as sin because we have become adjusted to it because we live in a very deceitful, ungodly, dark, and sinful world and your eyes adjust to the dimness of the light and you think you're seeing clearly, but you're not. It's what the world does to us. But when you get in the word of God and you devour the ways of God and the law of God, and the commandment of God it brings revelation to your heart and to your spirit and now all of a sudden what seemed to be okay it don't only appears sin but it appears exceedingly sinful only the word of God can do that religion is trying to replace law with love but the scripture tells us that it is love that gives us the the ability to obey the laws of Christ. Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You can't replace the law with love. You can't walk around and just say, I'm okay because I love him. I'm okay because I praise him. I'm okay because I confessed him. No, Jesus said, if you are truly in love with me, you will find out what my commandments are and you will walk in my commandments. You will obey my commandments why because we are the light to a dark world and if you take that light out of us the world has no light the world has no revelation the church bought by the blood on Calvary is the only thing left in this world that 
that man has hope. We're the only hope that is left in a dark, dreary world. Oh my God, Pentecostals of the Palm Beaches, help your preacher today. Let's not throw out the law. No, if you love him, you will keep his commandments. And by walking in his statutes, by walking in his commandments, we will save this world. The reason why the world wants to get rid of the law, the commandments of God, the doctrine of God, is because somehow in their mind, if I can get rid of the law, I can get rid of the penalty of breaking it. If I can somehow avoid the law, maybe I can avoid the penalty of the law, which is death, by the way when it comes to sin. But even if you remove the law, it does not mean that you have removed the penalty of sin. And that is what, what this world is trying to avoid, and that is eternal death. Romans 5 and 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin showed death upon all men for that all have sinned and sin entered into the world yet was no law to identify it when Adam fell sin entered into this world and the Bible says with it came death but there was no law to identify it listen the flesh hates the law because the law identifies sin but you better love the law you better make the law your best friend the law needs to become your companion you need to walk with the law every day of your life you need to walk in the statutes and the commandments of God why because they will reveal sin and revealed sin can be dealt with repented of put under the blood cast out washed away but until I know it's in my life I can't repent of it I can't give it to God I can't battle it I can't do anything about it I've got to know it's there it's real and it exists and that revelation comes through the law see how quiet it is tell your neighbor I love this kind of preaching now repent for lying. Tell your neighbor, repent for lying. And you wouldn't know that was a lie, but for the law. Oh, that line was wrong, lest the law told you. All right, stay with me. We'll get there. I can't tell you we're going to get happy anywhere in this message, but we will get to the end. That's the only hope I can give you. However, the penalty of sin remained. Even though there was no law, according to Romans 5 and 12, the penalty of sin remained. Verse number 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there was no law. Doesn't mean the penalty of sin 
did not exist. God looked at Adam and said, in the day you partake of that fruit, you will die. The penalty of the law was still there, but the imputation of it was not because, because that came through the law of the recognition of, of the sin. Romans 5.14 Nevertheless, listen, nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses. Let me just stop right here and tell you. It's one of the reasons that Jesus went down and preached to all of the past. And I'm not talking about the heathens, but those that lived by the conscience and served God the best they could. The Bible tells us in Romans that the conscience to the Gentiles became law. God didn't come to the world just to save the Jews. He was the God of the Jews, but when he died on the cross, he died for the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He died for the world. But the Gentiles did not have the law. The law came later, given to the Jews. But after the resurrection, while Jesus was in the grave, he preached, the Bible says, to those in hell. And I believe that that wasn't those that were that were rebellious or polytheistic or, or anti-God, but those like Adam and the patriarchs through time before the law. Into their lives came the law because Jesus was the word manifested in the flesh. When he stepped in their presence, he became the law. And then law was sin was recognized. And because sin was recognized, sin now could be forgiven through the sacrifice of the blood of the lamb. We need to thank God for the law. Now I know that was a lot to take in and it would take me a long time to go through all of that. So let's continue. Romans 5 and 13. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where, when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Whether you had recognition of your sin or not, sin still abided, and eventually sin would bring death. So whether the law is imputed or not, the penalty of sin remains. Romans 2 and 12. For as many as have sinned without the law, before the law, without knowledge of the law, shall also perish without the law. As many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. So whether you're ignorant of it or not, if you don't have the law, sin still abides and the result of sin is death. Those without the law will be judged without the law. Those with the law will be judged by the law. But thank God for the law. It gives me an opportunity to make a difference in my life, to change things, to turn around, to walk right, to look towards him, to recognize my sin. Recognize the greatest thing that could happen in this room right here today would be for a preacher to stand up and preach against a sin that is in your life, whatever it is, and you get the revelation, this is wrong, this is not right, I'm sinning against God, I've got to change it, that would be the greatest gift, the greatest blessing you could ever have.
But the religious world, they're trying to take that out. And men get up and smile pretty. They smell nice. They dress nice. They preach pretty little sermons. That makes everybody feel good. But they came in a sinner. And they went out a sinner. Because nobody told them adultery is wrong. Fornication is wrong. Any kind of immoral lifestyle is wrong. Hurting the body is wrong. Hatred is wrong. Jealousy is wrong. Envy is wrong. Strife is wrong. Lying is wrong. Preacher, make sin plain so I can repent. Clap your hands to the Lord and give God praise. Well, I don't, I don't want my sin revealed because I might not be able to get forgiveness for it. There is no sin. He will not forgive. <laughs> you say, well, what about the blaspheming of the Holy Ghost? I can answer that really easy for you. If you're convicted of sin, you have not blasphemed. Your mind is not seared. Your conscience shut off. If you have any pull towards him at all, any love towards him at all, any conviction towards him at all, your sins can be forgiven you. Can we love him for a moment? Will you give God praise? Paul tells the church of Rome, for as many as have sinned, tell your neighbor, I am a sinner. Tell someone behind you, I have sinned. For as many have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Genesis 2 and 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying of the tree, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest eat free, uh, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The penalty of sin was instituted before the first sin was ever committed. Before man ever committed the first sin in all of eternity, he already knew the consequences of that sin. It was the law that brought in the knowledge of sin. Romans 7 and 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? You would think so according to the, according to the modern religious world we live in. You would think that the law of God was sin. They adhere uh, at hard it to such the point push it away to such a point that you would think the law of God was sinful. 
that it's the law we need to stay away from just abide over here in the love of Christ leave that law alone don't try to don't try to live a life that would convict anyone else well that would be sinful don't don't try to tell somebody else witness about Jesus and they ask you about some things and and you try to give them some word about why it's wrong don't do that that well, that would be sinful you're you're hurting their their, their feelings now, you better read the life of Jesus <laughs> you want to know somebody didn't care about feelings he looked at the Pharisees and said you're just a bunch of hypocrites you're a bunch of vipers. You're a bunch of snakes. You're full of dead men bones. You know who he loved on? The harlots. The drunkards. Yeah. The outcasts. He loved on them. Why? They were ignorant. But the learned of the law, he had no pity upon. The religious world tries to shun the law as though it's sin. Paul says... What shall we say then? Is the law sin? And what he's talking about is the fact that when I learned the law, when the law came into my life, it, it, uh, it exposed sin. Not only past sins and present sin, but the law exposes future sin. So that when I'm tempted, before I ever sin, I know it's wrong. Now that's the hardship of the law. It'd be one thing if I didn't know it was wrong, I could sin and then find out and then repent of it. But I don't have that luxury anymore. The law has exposed sin in my life so that when temptation comes to me or things that I may want to do and they are not right, I know before I ever do them they are wrong and I know the penalty of sin. It's what the law does. And so Paul the apostle says, is the law sin? Is it bad? Is it against me? God forbid, nay, I had not known sin but by the law for I had not known lust except the law said thou shalt not covet the law reveals sin in my life then it makes sense that we should get you know we should get rid of the law then I don't have to worry about sin being revealed no the Bible tells me that whether I know it's a sin or not the penalty of sin remains the greatest blessing that could ever come to me and ever come to you is for a man or a woman under the anointing of God or the preached word of God to reveal to us sin that is in our life don't bow up against it thank your God for it he loves you enough to come to you and reveal sin that you might repent and make it right in your life Paul says is the law sin David said in Psalms 19 and 7 the law of the Lord is perfect. Doing what? Converting the soul. Religious world is trying to get rid of the only thing that can actually convert a man. 
experience feelings, blessings, touches do not convert you. That's why a man can walk through those back doors, reel in, come down in a wheelchair, lay hands on him, God heal him, and walk out of here and go right back into a life of sin. Because miracles do not convert you. Touches of God do not convert you. Feeling his presence does not convert you. There's only one thing that can change who you are. And that is the law of God. No wonder the devil wants to get rid of it. No wonder he's taking it out of religion. He doesn't matter. It don't matter to him if a million people come together and dance and shout and proclaim Jesus and there's no law in their heart. Nothing converting them. Nothing changing them. Nothing changing their direction or the way they live or how they think or what they love and what they hate. Paul said, those things I used to love, I now hate. Those things I used to hate, I now love. Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay. I'm sorry for preaching like this on our anniversary. Our two-week anniversary. (laughs) Been without church. I'm just trying to give you everything at once. He said, I had not known sin, but by the law. Let me go back and go to what it was. So David said, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting, changing, remaking the soul of man. The testimony of the Lord, which is the law or the commandment, The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Ephesians 5.25, stay with me. Husbands, love your wives. Now let me stop here and put in a brownie point. Don't get excited, baby. It's coming Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Ladies, listen up. At 10 o'clock, pastor's going to be right here, 10 a.m. in this main sanctuary, and we're going to be doing a mini marriage session. So bring your husbands, the rebellious one that stays at home. Promise him something. That's how my wife gets away all the time. Just promise him something. Get into the house of the Lord. You guys, married couples here now, come 10 o'clock next Sunday, all right? What I'm trying to do is talk to all of you so that I don't have to talk to you one couple at a time in my office. (laughs) 
Husband, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That he, Christ, might sanctify and cleanse it. What? The church. How? By the washing of water. By the word of God. If you got a pansy preacher that don't ever preach the word of God to you, both of you are going to hell. You got a man of God that'll preach to you, you ought to thank God. He's not afraid of the faces of men. Because it's the only way to be saved. We are washed of the water by the word. 27, that he might present it to him Self, a glorious church had not having spot or wrinkle. What is that? Not having sin, disobedience, flesh, lust, ungodliness, all up in its garments. How do we become spotless? How do we get the wrinkles out? By the washing of water, by the word of God. Preach to me, preacher. Preach to me, preacher. Preach to me, preacher. Or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 1, 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls. You have converted your souls. How? By getting an experience? By feeling the power of God. By having some miracle. By seeing an angel. Or having a vision. Or dreaming a dream. All of those things are wonderful. But they do not convert you. And they do not cleanse you. The only thing that can do that. Seeing you have purified your souls. How? In obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. I wish there was two of me so I could tag team. This is where the religions of the world miss it. They focus on the second part of this verse. Spirit unto unfeigned love 
of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. But here's the problem. The pure heart, Peter tells us, can only come through obeying truth. He's not talking about just Acts 2.38. He's talking about the law. The word of God in all of its commandments. In obeying truth, I am purified. When I am purified by the word, now I can love my brother with an unfeigned love. But if I'm trying to love you without having been purified by the word, by obeying truth in my life, I am a hypocrite. And I am lying to you. Because the greatest love I can give you is truth. The, way, the greatest way for me to love you is to give you truth. But I can't give you truth if I haven't obeyed it in my own heart. So Peter said, before you love your brother, you need to get truth in your heart. Put your hands together for the Lord. All right. He continues, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. All right, now look at this. Being born again. Being born again. How am I born again? By confessing? It's what the religious world will tell you. It's a lie. The only thing confession does for you it causes you to acknowledge there is a God. Acknowledging that there is a God and you need Him is just the beginning. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man is born again. Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed or of flesh, the same thing that Jesus said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. Being born again, not in your mother's womb, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, what? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You cannot be saved without this word. We cannot be born again without the word of God being preached to us and obeying the commands of God in our life and walking in the statutes of God every day to the best of our ability. The Bible says it's how we are born again. Is anybody with me today? Am I by myself? Why do I feel all alone up here? Romans 12 and 1. I beseech ye, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now the religious world says it doesn't matter what you do, 
how you live. Forget the word. Forget the law. Just love Jesus. His mercies will cover everything. Paul says, you want to know what mercy is? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He don't stop there. He tells us how. Be not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is the that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can only do that in the Word. You can only do that by the Word. You've got to get the Word to know His will, His divine will, His perfect will. I'm trying to get us to understand that when I get up here, I start preaching the word of God to you. Don't you clam up on me. Don't you get mad at me. Don't you say he's a legalist or he, he's a fanatic. I'm in the book. I've never left the book. I'm in the word of God. You can't be saved without it. It washes your mind. It renews your mind. I got to get my mind washed. James 1 and 13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and his entice. The problem of doing away with the law is that when you're tempted, you have nothing to guide you on the path of righteousness. When temptation comes into my life, I don't even know what's right or what's wrong. And I begin to justify everything. Until you can't tell the difference between me and the world. Which is exactly what the church looks like today. The religious world. I'm not talking about the body of Christ. But the religious world. Line them all up. You can't tell them from a harlot. In fact, I've met harlots that dress better than some of them. I've met women that don't even sell in their body. Dress better than some women I've met that claim to be a Christian. Thank God this isn't being FaceTime. James goes on to say in verse 16, he talks that. In James 1 and 15, he says, Then when lust, every man's tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and ties. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. The only thing that can identify sin is the law. I've already showed you that. It is the law of God that comes into your life and identifies sin. Without his law, without his commandments, without his teachings, without his doctrines, without his way, you would be lost. It bringeth forth death. 
He says in verse 16, Do not err. Don't be fooled. Don't convince yourself otherwise. My beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, whom is no variables nor shadow of turning. Verse 18, of his own will beget he us with the word of truth. Don't err. Good things come from above. But you better know his word. So you can discern who's sending you the gift. Of his own will beget he us. And I'm, I'm coming to a close. Beget he us with the word of truth that we should be of. Here it is. The kind of first fruits of his creatures. So why do we study his word, learn his ways, be washed by his water, his word of truth, his laws, his commandments, so that we can become his first fruits, so that we can be created in his image. You know, God created everything the first seven days, six days. On the seventh day, he rests. God created man, right, on day six. Thank you. So on the sixth day, God created man. But on the eighth day, man created God. We started forming God in our image. We take... We take his perfect undefiled word and we twist it so it fits our image. So that we can live how we want to live. And listen, when I make God look like me, no matter how sinful it is, when I make God look like me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said, man, you are ugly. No, all of us think we're beautiful. We do, that's why we dress ourselves. We think we're beautiful. Fix ourselves up. Why? Because that's your image. You're looking at your image. The Bible says no man hateth his own flesh. No man hateth his own flesh. And so you look in the mirror, you see your own image. When you create God in your image, that's the reason why. You better follow me on this. When you twist and mold the word of God, I wish I was on Facebook right now because I'd preach to the preachers again. And I'd tell all those preachers out there who are making God in their image, who's taking his word and twisting it and allowing his people who are hungry for him come gather themselves together because they're hoping to hear some word from God. And the man who fears their faces and loves their money looks at them and gives them all the pleasures of the world and of the lust and the flesh and the sin and says everything okay. And he creates God in their image. Why? So that they can live in their sin and come into the presence of God and feel okay. 
Because when I see him, I see me. I created him in my image. And I love my image. So I must be all right. Everything is okay. That's what the world has done. But when you get into this book and you learn about him and you study him, you will fall upon your face and you will say, God, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. I love you. My God, have mercy. Even Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and the prophets, when God would come, they would fall upon their face. Forgive us. Have mercy. Wash us, God. Cleanse us. We are sinners. Why? Because one look into his law reveals the sin that is in me. When I look into his word, <laughs> but that is the beauty of grace. Because grace allows me to look into his word and see how sinful I am. And then grace begins to teach me how to live godly in an ungodly world. The law identifies sin in my life. Music, if you'll come. And I'm, I'm going to tell the church what we're going to do here in just a moment. We're going to make our way down to the front. We're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to help us to fall in love with his word. And I'm going to tell you how to fall in love with his word. You know why you don't love your wife the way you used to? Why you don't love your husband the way you used to? You quit kissing her. Somewheres in your relationship, y'all stopped kissing and loving and started fighting and fussing. If you'd just kept kissing and loving through the fight, you won't. That's when she starts beating on me, I just pull her in tight. I learned you pull them in tight, they can't swing too good. You give them that distance, man, they'll knock you out. I'll throw pans at you. But you got to just pull them in tight. I'm like, it's going to be okay, baby. I'm not as bad as you think I am. Nah, we don't fight. Often. The way you fall in love with the Word is you get in it. Now, you have to make that first step. But the more you read of that word, the more you'll love that word. See, we hate, we hate it at first, or maybe I should say we're sort of repelled or we don't feel comfortable might be a better way of putting it. Because we're so far away from his image. But the more we learn about him and the more we let him change us, the more comfortable we become just 
dwelling in his presence and devouring his word. And then he'll show something else. You know, Brother Donald, he don't show it all to us at once. We'd probably drop over dead a heart attack. That's why your wife married you. Because she didn't know everything about you. She learned that as you went along, piece by piece. <laughs> My wife found her old diary. We were sitting on the couch last night. And she was rearranging the books on the bookshelf there, a little library thing. And she found this little book. She took it out and she went, oh, it's my, it's my diary. And she opens it up and she goes all the way back. And she says, oh, look at this. She says, I met an evangelist today. His name's Dan Kyle. Looks like he might be dating Amanda. She says, oh, well, I'm engaged anyway. That's in her diary. Next paragraph. She says, I talked to Dan again today. He seems a little odd. This is in her diary. Seems a little odd. A little off. He's really quiet. This woman wrote this in her diary about me, man. And didn't even go back and erase it after we married. And then she goes a little further. Says, well... Evangelist Dan gave me a card today. I mean, asked for my address, said, said he'd write me. She said, oh, well, we'll see. Then she says, I'm supposed to be engaged anyhow. That's the woman I married. See, if I'd have read all of that, I'd have still married you, baby. All right. Let's stand. Romans 3 and 28. Listen to Paul. Are you listening? Okay, when we say, when we say stand, we don't mean get distracted. Stay focused. Stay focused. Therefore, we conclude. That a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Now the religious world would take that and run and say no law applies to us. He didn't say the commands of the law. He said the deeds of the law. Paul was saying... We are justified by faith. We no longer, what are the deeds of the law? Animal sacrifices, physical circumcision, and numerous other ceremonies. We no longer have to do those things. We receive these things. All, listen to me. All of the deeds of the law were fulfilled in the death of Jesus Christ. 
the animal sacrifices, all of these things. We receive these things through faith. Now watch the next verse, because that's where the religious world stops. Is he God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Verse 30. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? See, if they would just keep reading, God forbid, yea, we established the law. When man what man wants to get rid of, Jesus through the death of the cross eternally established. It is because of my sin that he died. And it is the law that reveals sin in my life. Jesus said, I haven't come to do away with the prophets and the law. I've come to fulfill them. I've come to give you greater understanding. Stay with me. I'm going to, I got so much here. All right, let me say this. Because he deals with circumcision. We no longer have physical circumcision. But we do have spiritual circumcision. Which is the circumcision of the heart. Which represents the cutting the way of the deeds of the flesh. Are you ready? Colossians 2 and 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. How does that happen? Buried with him in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us which are contrary to us and took it out of the way by nailing it to the cross spoiling principalities and powers and may a shoe of them openly triumphing over them and how did he do all of that through the circumcision in the spirit do you know what the Bible and I'm just going to end right here do you know what the Bible says the receiving of the Holy Ghost is for us it is the writing of the law on our hearts do you know that scripture? Yeah. It's the writing of the law on our hearts. The receiving of the Holy Ghost is not doing away with the law. He literally implants it in your heart. So that no matter where you go, 
the law goes with you. And he's able to lead and guide us into all truth so that we can be saved. I feel like I'm, everybody look at me. Am I losing you? Okay, good. Let's come to the altar because we're going to pray. Let's, all of us, let's come to the altar. If you're a guest, we invite you to come with us. Okay, now watch this. Are you ready? Especially my guests that are here. Or if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, listen to this again. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without the hands and the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by circumcision of Christ. How do we receive spiritual circumcision? By being baptized or buried with him in baptism. Right? Which is the reason why when the men and brethren, when they said, unto Simon Peter what do we do we have been living under the deeds of the law we have crucified our Messiah what do we do and Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for what for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will write the law across your heart. Being baptized in Jesus' name will implement the spiritual circumcision into your life, which is what? The cutting off of the deeds of the flesh, the cutting off of the past, the cutting off of my past sins. When I am buried in the name of Jesus, my past is cut off. I am then filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. The law is written across my heart, and now I'm able to begin to walk in the newness of life with him. Don't clog my aisle up. They're trying to get in here. Clear my eye out. Thank you. Thank you, Gorge. Look at all. I'm not that mean. Come on. Come on. Come close. I don't even spit when I preach. My mouth's all dry. Come on in. Let my, I want my aisle, my aisle dwellers to get up in here. All the way up here. We're the church. We're the church. And we're going to make a covenant. A covenant with the Lord. That we are going to start walking in his law through grace. Because you can't walk in the law without grace. You understand that, right? Without grace, we'd all be dead. Has anybody here not broken a law? I broke one of man's yesterday. My, it wasn't on purpose. Light turned yellow. And I thought it was going to stay that way. Turn red right before I went under it. I saw my wife get out her diary and write something else. <laughs> That's kidding. We've all broken laws. And the Bible says if you fail in one area of the law, then you have fallen in all. So you say, so how can we walk in the law? Through grace. That's the power of grace. It doesn't do away with the law. It gives me and you the ability.
to walk within the law and stand in his presence. I am tired of molding God into my image. I don't need God to look like me. I need to look like him. Amen. And the only way that's going to happen is if we get in this book. Listen, I don't know how to tell you this. Because you probably already know it or sense it. But we are becoming a rare breed. And we are going to be a rarer breed as the days go on. And the way that you and I live and the way your preacher preaches and the rest of this ministry that preaches to us, we are going to be considered insane. Insane. Because we have to be insane, otherwise we show them what they're really supposed to be, right? So somehow they have to classify us crazy. So that they can be classified right, justified in their hearts and minds. I don't want to lose what we have. And something I've learned is if you don't preach it, you lose it. Because it is my nature and your nature to go away from God, not to God. So all pastor has to do is get up here and stop preaching separation. All I have to do is stop preaching the word of God. And the things that he tells us how to live. And how to be that light. And how to shine. And walk close to him. And live a godly life in an ungodly world. If I stop preaching that. In one year you would not recognize this church. Because we will go the way of the world. It has to be preached. But I can't do it alone. And I only ask one thing of you. As long as I'm in the book, stay with me. That's all I ask. But if I get out of the book, then go find somebody in the book. But if I'm in the book and I'm preaching to you and it's something you're doing and God says it's wrong, don't you go find some preacher to tickle your ears. You stay right here and take your whipping. Take your whooping. It'll make us better. Now, we may have wanted to do this, but you know, when Mama Sister Dixon spanked us, we didn't go find new parents. We probably wanted to, though. No, we just took it because we knew Mama loved us. We knew it was out of love most of the time. Sometimes I think she got a couple of extras in there out of spite, but most of them was out of love. So we're going to make a covenant as a church, and we're just going to ask God to help us to give pastor and the ministry wisdom from this word. Because I'm not interested in preaching man's rules and regulations. Do you understand that? I don't want to put something on you that God would not put on you. But I don't want to fear you if God says this is the way it is. I can't explain everything. He's sovereign. 
I do know it will make your life better though. First of all, you're going to pray for pastor and the ministry for wisdom. That we will devour the word, learn of God. Do what we are called to do and to teach. I mean, I, I can't tell you what God has blessed us with. You know, those 30 lessons of the foundational series, Danny Sapp, Pastor Sapp, wrote. He wrote those lessons. And they are some of the most phenomenal teachings you'll ever read. God gave him that wisdom, that knowledge, that ability. He's a gift to you. Ministry is a gift to you. So you must pray for us that we will dig things out of the word. Like that teaching that Keith Nevad gave us today. Wow, powerful. It'll be, no, it won't. It's not on Facebook. We lost. It's not going to be on podcast. But, oh, yeah, it'll be on podcast. We have the oral, the, we have the teaching over there that he's patiently waiting to turn off as soon as I get through rambling. Um, then also, the covenant is going to be that, Lord, as long as my pastor is in the word, and I can open that book and see he's following that book. Forget about tradition. Forget about religion. Forget about all of that. No matter how much it hurts my flesh, as long as he's in the book, I covenant with you that I will obey the preaching of the word of God, not man. The word of God. That's going to be our covenant. You pray that we get the wisdom and knowledge that we need to teach and that we will not fear faces and that we will preach. I'm telling you, if we begin to abide and walk in this covenant, there will not be enough seats in this auditorium. We will have to go to a dual service until God gives us emphasis on give, gives us our building. And we uh, continue on. Are you ready for prayer? Put, put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. And you know what? Let's, Brother Corinthian, Brother Sapp, uh, all my uh, platform ministry. I know I have other ministers, but come up, come up, come up, come up. Is Keith Nevada around? Who's my platform ministers? Sean? Sean? Powell, where is he? Where's Brother Powell? He's out of town. Y'all got to pray for him. Pray for Brother Powell. <laughs> no, I love that guy. Good guy. And uh, am I missing a platform? Brother Vieira? Do you want me to carry you up here, brother? Thank you, brother. And this brother teaches our Wednesday nights um, for our new converts especially. Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. And he wrote those lessons. This is the wisdom and the knowledge that God has given the men that are on these, uh, uh, on these platforms. And these aren't all of them. And I've got ministry uh, out in the congregation as well. Young men and men who are elders and who are the calling of the Lord. I want you to stretch your hand forward towards uh, the ministry.
right now. Will you do that? And just pray for us. Father, we come to you right now. God, we ask for your anointing upon our minds. We submit ourselves to you, our lives, and our families. We ask you, Lord, that you bring revelation into our spirits. As we study the word, God, bring revelation that we might deliver it to the precious people of the kingdom. That the kingdom might grow, that the kingdom might go forward with power and anointing. We might be that light upon a hill that no man can hide. God, we need you. We need you, God. We need you. Touch us. Touch our minds. Give us that revelation. Give us that understanding. Help us to break your, your word like we would break bread. That we might devour it and partake of it. That it could give us strength, God. I'm asking you, Lord, let it be a supernatural gift that comes upon the ministry.